folks, uh, today we're going to talk about what happens after we die, which is a topic which, you know, a lot of people have spent a lot of time theorizing about and a lot of people have reported back about. Um, but without going into the, into the heebie-jeebie, let's try to, try to appreciate what's going on here. Before we start, I'd like to say I'd take a moment to, to thank our sponsors today. Number one is I'd like to thank Diossi and Judy Simpson who are sponsoring today's shir and our learning today in the, for the honor of the yard site of Yossi's grandfather, Harav Eliyahu ben Harav Shimon Aaron, who I've heard a lot of stories about and appreciate the, 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 the fruit and the fruits, fruit and the fruits, fruit, which continues to, to bring Kiddush Hashem into this world. And also, as we just marked, just really a week ago, um, the 50th, anniversary of the yard site of Mrs. Vivian Kasovitz, Sarah Leah Bas Harav Shaul. There's Rasa Hashem, she should have a continual alias neshava, and she should be a militia yeshara for the entire mishpacha, for all the Sarah Stavas at the right time, Be'ez Rasa Hashem. And uh, it was wonderful to see the whole family together for the yard site. It's a pleasure to be commemorating on this side of the ocean as well. Let's start with the following question. So we're all, we're all extemporaneous today. So let's, let's think about it. If you were to, 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 to note the two most consequential moments in all of human history, what would those two moments be? The two most consequential moments in all of human history. So Exodus is a good guess. Birth and death. Birth and death. <laughs> that's, that's individual. Good. Ten, ten commandments. Anything else? I could. Good. Creation itself. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess we have to say with, uh, after we started, right? <laughs> right. In, within, the, within the context of history. Based on Mikdash. Based on Mikdash. I mean, there was two of them, so maybe both. You know. Creation. Creation. No, we, we'll say, let's say creation is a given, because otherwise we'll, we, there's no story. Right. That, that would. That, that's uh, the context. Entering Israel. There's a lot of like events, and it's interesting that all the most consequential events. I just heard a speaker say that the perhaps the most consequential event in Jew, that affected Jewish history was the Reformation. <laughs> That's important, you know, but it's it's definitely not the most important event in Jewish history. When, death, when death was decreed. <coughs> so, oh, so I wanted to say, look at it for, for there are very many consequential moments in history. There really are there are events which are far-reaching and longitudinal um, effects. But a lot of them are essentially external, external events that affected the human being from the outside. And yes, it shaped the course of history, and yes, it's going to be the way that we interact is different from here on inwards. But what I've been looking for is actually a moment which changed the actual human psyche. Not an external event which affected the human psyche, but changed the human psyche. And there are actually only two events in, in the course of history which changed the human psyche. Even Matan Torah and even Yetzirah Mitzrayim were external, which means, to say, which means to say that even through the Matan Torah and the, the revelation, the Giloy of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it is still external to the human being. The human being had to make a choice afterwards about that. But there were two events in the course of human history which actually changed the makeup of a human being. And the first of them, well, let's do the work backwards. The second of them is the moment in time at the beginning of the second base of Migdash when um, the Anshek Nesak Dola prayed to remove the, that, the Yetzer Hara of Avodah Zarah. When there was, uh, up to that point in time, paganism was rampant. The, the desire to serve some sort of deity or power was clearly something very different to what we have today. And Chazal explained that Anshin Nesodona says we don't want its challenge, we don't want its schar, and they prayed to change the human psyche, and they did. Which is why today we're in the age of intellectualism, in the world of academia, in the world, world, of, world of Greek philosophy, we don't struggle so much with paganism, we're not drawn towards that. That's because we are actually different. That means to say there was a, there was a watershed moment in terms of who we are. But the earliest of those times that changed the human, the, the human psyche was, and so you mentioned it, was <coughs> the hate of Adam Arishan. And that was actually where there was actually a change in the human being, not simply a change in that which surrounded the human being. There was a change in the human being. Why, why was that so consequential? So if you go back to the very beginning, the first time that the Almighty speaks to a human being, Hashem explains to them that there, there's, there's uh, the first commandment. What was the first commandment to human beings? No, that, come on, that, that, that's a blessing. What's the first? So, oh, good. So most people say, don't eat of the, the, the forbidden fruit, right? That's the second command. The first command is eat the mangoes and the bananas and the apples and the, all the rest of the things, 
Right, so so everybody uh, uh, assumes and assesses that the, 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 the first command is to eat of all the eights I got. The second command is one tree, in the middle of the, uh, the tree you should not, the, the, the middle of the garden you should not eat. Why? The, the, the Hashem says, On the day you eat it, you're going to die. So a lot of us see this as, as, a, as a rap on the knuckles, right? Pretty severe one. But if, if, you, if you misbehave yourself, then you're, de- you're, then you're dead. Um, but the truth is, is that doesn't, that's not what it meant. <laughs> what it really mean? It means that if you choose to go down that avenue, you will now have triggered this notion called death. Right? Now, now there will be death in the world. That's, that's what's being said. Beforehand, death wasn't necessary. And now net death is going to be a part of creation, which means that the entry of death is as a function of Ahet Adam Arisha. Now we, that, so that means to say that somehow beforehand that wouldn't have been the case. Fair? And somehow this is being introduced. So we have to ask ourselves, what is this? Why is this being introduced? Well, what, what does this mean for all intents and purposes? That's, that's the question that, uh, that, that exists. So there's a lot of different ways of, of, of looking at this. We're going to do, do, do this in a, in a, we'll call it a step-by-step way. We're going to follow again, like we did in the last segment we learned together. We're going to follow some of the words of the Ramachal, of Rav Moshe Chaim Lutzato, of Bless the Memory. And then we're going to move a little bit further afield from that as well. So why, why, why is death necessary? So if you remember, uh, when we first studied this a, c- a couple of weeks ago, when we looked at the, 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 the Ramchal gave us a very simple model. He gave us a model that there is this, this uh, God wanted to, give, to the gr- uh, give goodness to another. So God creates another, but he creates a framework in which this other, this creation or creature, um, can have the ability to be able to choose good, which will ultimately be the reward of being able to receive good, and in order for that to do, it needs to be equally weighted. That this being has the ability to choose good and to choose bad. And to do this, God created a composite being which has two forces that are pulling at it. One is an internal force which is reflected of, of its soul. And the other is a force which is reflective of its body which is pulling downwards and upwards at the same time. And so therefore, every time we have to make a choice, we have to listen to one of those voices. Right? I really want the double fudge cake. <laughs> I really should be doing something else now, right? So, so those voices come into us. We, we hear them. They are reflective of different parts of our person, per persona. And making those decisions are going to be what differentiates us in terms, of, in terms of earning what is the ultimate good, which is proximity to the divine, not proximity to our weight loss program. Um, so that, that, that is the, the, the way that he's, he, he, he's framed it. Now, if you remember, the, if you think back to that, it's a very simple model. We spend, we spend an hour learning through that, 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 and there was a lot of details. But it's a very simple model. Why is it simple? Is, is because it doesn't expand a lot of the complexities we see in this world. There's a lot of complexity. And the, the truth is, much of the complexity we see is as a function of plan B. Plan B was Chava and Adam making the choice of the Eitzadas. So uh, there, there seems to be something else there's, it doesn't work as well. In fact, so much so, says the Ramchal, that the first operation, we'll call it the first model of this universe, would have been that there was not 613 commandments, but really there were two. There was do good and don't do bad, right? Those are the two commandments, essentially. And if human beings had successfully made the right choice, and they, they had um, simply eaten of the mangoes and not the Eitzadas, then the world would have come to its fruition, and that would have been the end of the experiment. So if you think about it, it actually would have been the, the successful ending of the experiment would have, be, would have been right then. We wouldn't be here today. That was how God would have given the greatest good to the other, is how? By giving us that choice. But we chose option two, and that led us to plan B. And plan B now makes us a more complex reality, and we're still here trying to figure out. So what, what changed precisely? Why, why are we still here? So the Ramchal uh, observation is, is that after the sin, it became more complex to see the, the, the results of our actions. So we do things, but there's not an immediate payback. And now, therefore, the paraphernalia have increased, the amount of obstacles have increased, the trials and tribulations have increased, and every time we succeed, there's not a necessary reflection on our, ourselves as a, as a whole. That's, what's, uh, that's what the, the general, the, the general change, change is as well. Because beforehand, all that needed to happen was that the soul calling, we'll call it the, the calling of the spiritual, needs to supersede the calling of the body. Once that's made, the soul would elevate the body. The body would now enter into the next realm, which would be 
the realm of payback, olam haba, the world of, or the world of recompense, and that would be it. But today, apparently, doing that is not sufficient. That's the, that, that seems to be the, the, the outcome of that. So now, uh, the question now we have to ask ourselves is, is why is that, what happens in between, and how does death, really, the process of death, even affect this whole business in the first place? So let's, let's, start, let's start at the beginning. Okay, so the question really starts is, is okay, so what, 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 about, what, what happens exactly after death exactly? What, what is, the, what is uh, happening? And then how does that affect what God introduced to the world? Why is this a necessary component? That's what we're going to have to look at. So there's a lot of chazals that talk about these things. The problem is that if you don't do a careful, a careful, um, we'll call it synthesization, you can end up walking away with one chazal and thinking that that's all that chazal talk about. It's very hard. You need to have all the pieces together and sort of, you know, blend them into a harmony and understand the, the system rather than, an idea. A lot of people like to run around with one idea and that becomes their bumper sticker. And it, life is more complica- complicated than one bumper sticker. Fair? So the, 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 the people who do these things are, like, are, are generally people that we shown him, like the Rambam, the Ramban. The Ramban has an entire book called Shar HaGmul, the gateway of, of, um, of um, recompense or, 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 or reward is what the Ramban calls it. And there he takes all these Ma'amarei Chazal and tries to synthesize them. So here's an example of something that we hear and is sometimes interpreted and misinterpreted at the same time. It's a matter of a great debate. The Gomorrah tells us, I'm just going to quote the actual Gomorrah because it's, it's a very worthwhile Gomorrah to appreciate. I'm sure you heard, heard this. This world is not like the next world, in case we were wondering. In the world to come, there is not in it, not eating, not drinking, not procreation, not even business deals, not uh, envy, not hate, not competition, the, the righteous are sitting there and their, their crowns are upon their heads and they are benefiting from the, 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 the divine presence. Now, in some way, sometimes you hear this framed is that is that if, if, uh, if the world to come is going to be this large yeshiva and you never really liked, you know, so to speak, the world of ideas, it's going to be very difficult to be there. Right? <laughs> so that's, uh, that's one, one comment which is made. But here's the que- interesting question is, it sounds, it sounds that from the way this is described, this is very much a, a very spiritual experience, right? There's none of all the complexities of this world. In fact, that list of things is probably what we spend most of our time doing, <laughs> right? If you think about it, right? Achila, Shtia, Piri, Virivia, Masav, Maton, right? I mean, that's, that's a, maxim, a, a maximum of our lives is spent doing all that stuff. Piri, Virivia means to say all the years afterwards, <laughs> raising those children and then the grandchildren. It's not so simple. It takes a lot of time from our, from our, from our lives. So here's, here's the interesting thing. Um, the Ramam in, uh, understands and what this means to say is that the world to come really is completely absent of any physical, of any physical uh, trappings. Uh, it's not going to be a world where we touch things. It's not going to be a world where we, we feel things. It's not going to be a world where we smell things. It's not going to be a world where there's emotions. It's completely devoid of all that because for it to really be a spiritual world, for it be, to be infinite, it needs to be not limited. Once it's, once it's physical, it's limited. And therefore, says the Rambam, the world to come is completely spiritual. So here, in a certain sense, we're given the vehicle. What's the vehicle? Is the body. We need to drive this body and do what we can with it, do the best we can with it. And in the end, we sort of check in the body, the lease is returned. And then um, the rider, as opposed to the, to the vehicle, the rider, which is the soul, will now enter into this, uh, click into this new place, which is completely spiritual. And the point system will be based on the amount of perhaps of decisions made, the amount of, uh, of friction um, that was, that was uh, um, um, overcome in doing the right and not doing what was negative. That's, that's what seems to be the way that's understood. Which leads to the question is, is, so when is this magical time? When does this all happen? Says the Rambam, the Rambam says this very explicitly, is, is that is right after every person dies. So what happens is, is that's the whole process of death. The process of death is, is that you take the body, the body which was the vessel of the soul, and you bury the body, that's the end of its journey, that's the return of the lease, and now the soul is free from its pain, its experience of the physical, and immediately now snaps into a space which is purely spiritual, pure, purely ethereal, purely sublime. There's nothing, no, no pain left in, the, in that world as well. So the body kind of reaches its end, and then uh, it comes from the dust, it returns to the dust, it's made of, based on carbon, 
a carbon-based life form. It returns to, to, to the earth and everything, and, and the soul goes on further. Which means to say, is there Olam Haba right now, according to the Rambam? Yes. The answer is absolutely. There's Olam Haba right now as we are speaking. There are people in Olam Haba. Where are they? Those are people who have passed away. Those people have entered into the world to come because they've passed the final test. They, they've ultimately come through the trappings of this world um, at large. And it's, it's, it's fascinating to see for those who've had the privilege and the, the responsibility of being in the room when somebody has passed away. When one sees there's a tremendous, there's a, there's an, a very tangible difference between a person who's alive and a person who, is, who has just passed away. And you can see it, you can feel it. It's the, 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 the body is clearly only a body right afterwards. You, su you suddenly realize the very, very fragility of life. You realize the soul is, has, has, has moved to somewhere much bigger, much more than, than simply this body. Yes, Michael. Is there a now in all about, is there, in that clock or is there any of time? Ah, good, yes. That's a very good question. So it's a little bit complicated because now indicates time and Olam is beyond time. However, what I, what I mean to say by now is within our frame of reference. Time is always within frame of reference. No. So as the, uh, it seems to be that because it's spiritual by definition, it's not limited. And by the fact it's not limited, therefore it's infinite and uh, it will be ever continuing. Um, however, the point that just within the Rambam's perspective is, is, is trying to understand this, is, is that right after this world, it's a parallel universe, essentially. It exists at the same time as we are living today. Fair? That's, that's the way it's understood according to Rambam. Yes? I Yes, that's the question. So the question like becomes like this, is you ask the Raman, um, Maimonides, in the end of the day, so how does, the, the one question you have to ask is always, where does Mashiach fit into this? And where does Tchiyas Mason fit into this? You say, does the Raman believe in Tchiyas Mason? Of course he does, that's number 13. <laughs> okay, so, and by the way, people question this. Because of the Raman's understanding of the way that the world to come operates, then there's a question is, is that if the world to come is purely spiritual, then why do you need the body kickback, right? Like, why is the body coming back? Which led a lot of people to question the Rambam on his Tchiyas Mason. so much so they attacked the Rambam that the Rambam had to write a letter called Igeres Tchiyas Mason. So he had to defend his position, even though it was number 13 in his, um, the, the Ikare Emunah, which he describes. By the way, the, if you read the Ikare Emunah of the Rambam, just so you should be, be aware of this, where does the Rambam write the 13 Ikare Emunah? Where does he sort of frame this, this, whole, this whole business? It's in his explanation of the Mishnahis on the 10th or perhaps 11th parak of Sanhedrin, parak Chelek in Sanhedrin. Um, and that's in the beginning where it says, Kol Yisrael Yeshleim Chelek that's the Mishnah. Then he goes on and he says, by the way, these are the, the 13 rules to be, uh, to be part of it. And at the end, he goes through extreme length to explain all of them, except the last one is one line. And the 13th one is, is Tchaz HaMesim. So he doesn't spend so much time on it, which leads that, 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 that level of, um, so, so to speak, uh, simplicity, led a lot of critique on the Ramam. The Rambam clearly believes in Tchiyas Mason. So the question is, so how does it work if, you're, if it's all spiritual? So the Rambam says, the Rambam believes that essentially, and I, uh, I apologize, I, we had notes today and I, I had it all mapped out. But nonetheless, it didn't print, so we'll have to use our mind's eye for this, is that you can imagine that there's two parallel universes running alongside each other. And again, alongside is a little bit of a clumsy word, Michael, as you're pointing out, because, you know, something which is infinite parallel to something which is finite is, doesn't really make all that much sense. But essentially that, that everybody who passes away dips into that or into the next dimension, which is the, which is the Olam Abba, the purely spiritual world. But Tchiyas HaMesim is the opportunity of coming back out again at a certain point at the times of Mashiach, to have another opportunity with the body. In other words, you get a renewed lease, right? We'll call it a bonus round, essentially, to be able to do the things that we didn't do quite correctly the first time around. That would be the Tchiyas HaMesim. But then, as the Ramban criticizes the Rambam, then the Rambam is Goizer Misa on Mashiach and the Dora Tchiyas HaMesim, which <laughs> means to say, according to the Rambam, everybody who's brought back to, to life, and including the Mashiach, will have to die again because where's the real reward? The real reward is in Elam Abbas, so to come back. But the point is that there's no ability to be able to change our state of being in the world to come after life. Uh, there's no way to be able to do anything anymore. You can receive, but you can't do. And so therefore, the, the opportunity you're doing is in, the, is in this world. And so they would have the opportunity that would be the, the gift of 
is to be able to get a little further in one's portfolio in that respect. Now, they, they, they say the story about, uh, you know, a little shtetl in Eastern Europe that one day is told, you know, that, 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 that the Rav has a dream, and the Rav's dream says that, that, that everybody in the, in the village is going to, you know, at, uh, uh, all the people in the graveyard tomorrow at 12 o'clock are going to, uh, are going to be, be resurrected for one hour, and, uh, and everybody's, you know, Incredibly excited about this, and so every goes to the edge of the, the edge of the town where the graveyard is, and they all, and and this one gets her husband's favorite apple pie, and the, the grandchildren over here are getting out Zadie's favorite book, and you know all the things that that uh, that, uh, that that and they're sitting on the edge of the the graveyard, and at twelve o'clock, you know, the the clock strikes twelve, and uh, everybody climbs out, and they run to the edge of the, gra- the graveyard and run straight past all their family to the base medrash and spend an hour <laughs> learning tar- learning Torah and giving stagger, and then uh, fifty nine minutes later they run back and then they climb back in. And so you say, you know, it might be different. If you know what's on the other end, you might be different how you would use this end, right? So, is a very short opportunity of coming back to be able to get a body again, to get another lease on the vehicle to be able to, um, to, to drive further, essentially, in terms, of one's, uh, in terms of one's efforts. Now, according to this, it's a very simple model, if you think about it. Right? There's, there's, there's Olamaze, which is where we are, where we're stuck right now. It's the world of work. It's the world of trial. It's the world of friction. And once we get to the end of it and the lease is returned, the body is put into the ground. The soul then experiences what it deserved based on the, the choices it made. Um, and there, there might be another opportunity coming back as well. The Ramam does talk about Gilgal and Shamas, but we'll talk about that next time in a little more depth. Okay, so that's, that, that's, the, that's the, the Ramam's view of things. Yes, sorry. Is it universally accepted that Olam Haba it comes after Tchiat HaMesim? Are there some people who feel you live in this world, you go up to Olam Haba until Mashiach comes, yep. and then you live forever? That's the Ramam. That's what the Ramam is saying. That's precisely what the Ramam is so, saying. So there's no Tchiat HaMesim. There's no, there's no Olam Haba after Tchiat HaMesim. Yeah, there is. No, there is. No, 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 no. That's no. No, so after what happens is that every person who, who, who dies goes to an, a form of Olam Haba. And again, the form of Olam Haba depends on how much they worked. And also there is Gehinnom, which is the, which is the alternative for those who, who did not do enough work or perhaps need a little bit of cleansing as well. Um, but let's say everybody is in, in, in that track. And then, then there's Tchia Samesim, and those who deserve to come back, come back. Then they get another lease on the place where they have a vehicle to be able to achieve what they need to achieve. And then they return back to Olam Abba after having that, that, that we'll call essentially bonus round, essentially another opportunity to return to this world to do, to do more. But they will die. And that's, the, that's some of the critique that, 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 that you'll see like in the Ramban. The Ramban, the Ramban says that the Ramban was Goizer Misa on the Mashiach. <laughs> so he, says, he declared that the Mashiach would die because the Ramban doesn't believe that there can be any form of, power of reward in the context of this world. Simply isn't possible. Now, according to this, yeah. You come back as you, or you come back as the Gilgal. Ah, good question. We're taking it. Let, let's take it as a very simple system right now. Let, let's say, according to the Rambam, that, that you come back, you live one life, you come back once, and that's it, right? Um, we'll we'll see the complexity of Gilgal next time when there's multiple iterations. But that, that that let's just assume for for argument's sake right now, one one iteration, and um, and a person. Uh, passes away and then and then had, may have another opportunity. So this this realm over here, it's very hard ha- to understand how this model explains the gazera of Misa. If you think about it for a second, right? It's hard to understand how the initial death that was decreed upon humanity at the times of Gan Eden, how was that Plan B? What, what would have happened otherwise? Would they gone straight into Olam Abba? There was no Tchias Hamesim. It's hard to understand this. The more complex model, which is essentially adopted by most of the of the, the thinkers. Sadia Goon in Emunah Sadeos, the Ramban in Shara Gumul, and then you go later on to the deeply, deeply Kabbalistic literature. Most Kabbalistic literature um, accepts the second model, not the Ramam's model. Um, and so much so that if you, if you read the Sifrei Chabad, in, um, the Sifrei Chabad say that since the Arizal came, came along in the, in the 1500s and essentially gave the, the stempel of approval to the second one Kabbalistically, that was a psak in, 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 in the way things worked, that it was not like the Ramam. But nonetheless, it's worthwhile, you know, that, that is questionable whether you can have a psak in this realm. But nonetheless, it seems the predominant view in, 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 in Judaism is not like the, Ram, the Rambam. What does that mean? The Rambam has a particular model where he understands that spiritual reward can only be in a spiritual context. Which leads you to an interesting question, is that, and that is, is that, remember that Gomorrah we just looked at for a, sec, a second ago? The Gomorrah says that, that what's the Olama, Eloiko Olama Zeko Olama Olama Ba, right? 
All those things. Says Ramban, if it's completely devoid of anything physical, then why are they sitting? Do you know that? And what's the crown? <laughs> so the Ramban says it's metaphoric. The Ramban says, Yashvim refers to the fact that there's no friction. Right? It's a, it's a, sta- a state of complete equilibrium. Right? That's what the Ramban says. The Ramban says it does sound like they're using words that describe physical activity. And in fact, the Ramban quotes numerous Ma'amare Chazal, which seem to suggest that when Sadiqim return, they will be returned with their bodies to the Olmeyad for eternal existence. So why are their bodies there? If the body is simply a vehicle, a lease, essentially, during the, the period of work, then it should, never, it should be inconsequential, right, to the, the, to, the, to the world to come. Which leads the Ramban to suggest that in fact, that it's a more complex system. And that is as follows, is that when a person will pass away, they do not enter Olam Abba. In fact, Olam Abba is not existent right now, which is why it's called Olam Haba. What does Haba mean? It is coming, it's to come, which means it is not now. Now, the Rambam would understand, that means to say it's not here in our context, in the very limited physical sphere that we live in. But the Ramban says it means to say that even when we die, we're still in Olam Hazer. We have not entered Olam Haba. Olam Haba is a future point in, in, in the context of the world. What was that? That, that? That's still not, the, that's still not Olam Haba. That's a, the Ramban would say that if a person passes away, they did not enter into Olam Abba. What do they enter into? They enter into a world called Olam Han Shamas, the world of the, of the souls. The world of the souls has a few tracks in it, right? There's what we call Gan Eden. Gan Eden is a place where people are, are, are going to be receiving Me'ain Olam Abba, a, a Me'ain, a taste of what their, uh, com, uh, their recompense is to the world, the world to come. Um, and there are folks, and most folks, who have to uh, do a little bit more cleansing because uh, their account has not been closed on all, um, on all the things that they didn't do correctly. That needs to be at the, um, certainly at the beginning. And then this is a waiting room, essentially. What's the waiting room for? Is The waiting room is for the times of Tchiyas HaMesim. And there's a few rounds of Tchiyas HaMesim. But there's the times of Mashiach leading to Olam Abba, And Olam Abba is a process within which there is the body and the soul united together in the same way that it was in this world. But not quite the same. Why is it not quite the same? Because the process itself is going to be a necessary purification process for both components. But they had to be separated in order to have the purification process fully effective. So what that means to say is like this. Since this, uh, the sin of Adam Arishan, there was a wedge put in, uh, in between action and reaction. In a certain sense, between decisions made and reward awarded. A person can live in this world as we do, and we do many good things, and we see people do many good things, and somehow it doesn't seem to just add up. It doesn't, there's no suddenly the light shines, the music plays, the clouds part. That, that doesn't happen so much. And the same thing when you see people do terrible things, we don't see the clouds form, the, cloud, the, clouds form, the lightning strike, and the person turn to a paddle. That doesn't happen anymore. It wasn't as simple as a, a model it was as it was pre hate which means to say that a person could have done an incredible amount of good, but it's building up in a latent way. It's almost like you're charging the battery. More and more power is being put into this battery, but you're not seeing any of it. When a person passes away, then there is a, the, the, the neshama, the soul, is allowed to maximize its energy, to maximize its potential. The body is cleansed. And when the neshama is returned into it, it now elevates the body with it to the real capacity that it could have with all the energy that it was earned in this world as well. So why, what happens? Why, why is it necessary to separate? Because somehow the body needs cleansing. So the, what we understand is, is that through the biodegradation process, which is a painful process for the, the consciousness of a person, for the, the soul of a person, the biodegradation process is a cleansing of the body and all the trappings that it had with it. Very complex time in its existence. After which, after that process and the reuniting with the soul, the body is now cleansed to the point that it can exist, it can coexist with the soul. So you just say to yourself, well, do we see examples of such thing? Like, do we know of such examples? The answer is we absolutely do. Can we think of examples of something which is physical, but not really weighted down by the physical in the same way? Can we think of instances in history where that occurred? Good. So one example is, is Eliyahu's ending, right? Eliyahu Navi, uh, Navi did not die, which means to say that his body was so cleansed 
that getting onto the, char the fiery chariots to go to the heavens, the body was not an impediment. That means to say that somehow it was such a th thin film of a body that it was not, in, in, not, not an interruption between what the spiritual persona was. We also see, not, we, without even getting to Eliyahu, we see spaces in time, you say, Engel? Okay, so we see Chanukh as well, but that could have been death. That could have been death, but it's hard to know what that means exactly in Boratius. Could go, but that's an excellent point. We see things which affect everybody. Where we see... What was that? Uh, so the, 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 the Gemara describes that. That's on the level of Drash. It's very hard to understand because in the end of the day, they did embalm him. <laughs> so that means he was, as the Gemara says, that they, they you know, embalmed him and eulogized him for 70 days. Um, by the way, there's a tradition that it was on Hanukkah, that, that, was, that was when he was buried. But anyways, first of all, interesting point in and of itself. But um, the, the truth is, is the Dordaya, think about what? Embalmment is actually the whole idea of trying to live beyond death. Yeah, that's what the Egyptians were trying to get to. That's why they did it. But again, but, but, but they, the, the problem is that they, 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 the, the, the Egyptians were so into this, into reincarnation, that they used to, if you'd read about their burial things, by the way, embalming is not such a nice process, in case you're wondering. But um, after, the process, after the whole business, they, they left food and all kinds of things in these chambers because they thought everybody was going to come back. It, it was a very simple kind of program. But um, ours, ours is a little more, you know, they're not, they're not getting the crackers afterwards. You know, it's a little more... Because we believe that the, barrier, the body has to Correct. be buried. Correct. Which is why cremation is, is, is incredibly damaging. Because the body is coming back. Um, but um, the, 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 it is worthwhile understanding that there are times in history where you see that physical is not an impediment to spiritual. So one is, example is what's called the Dordea. What's the Dordea? The, the generation of knowledge? When, when it, for the 40 years of the period between the, um, Exodus and entry to Israel, Israel we lived in a, in a space where we subsisted physically, supernaturally, where we ate, but we did not need the restroom, which means that the Dor Ochleaman, somehow, that process, it was Nivla Le'evorim, which means that, that the food may have been physically imbibed, but it wasn't doing the same things that our food would regularly do to us. Um, there are times as well where there are certain physical substances which are sublime, right? So we talk about certain korbonos, the basar shlamim, the, ya, the, the, the yain of nesachim, which, has, which is a physical um, um, substance, but on the other hand, it doesn't have physical effects on us. So Ramban says that it's almost as if there's going to be a time where the body's cleansed to such a point that because of the actions a person did with their soul, based on soul decisions, based on value decisions, not convenience or earthly material decisions, they, that, that, so to speak, that energy has been building up an entire lifetime, but you don't see the effects on that because our body is the predominant in plan two, which is post-chait. And then what happens is the person passes away, their body undergoes a process of cleansing, and in the future is reunited with their soul, completely maximized in its charge in terms of what it was able to do. At that point, at the reunification, the body now becomes, in a certain sense, ancillary, becomes an attachment to, to, to the neshama, and the person is now able to receive reward in a more complex stage. Yes, Eva. Sorry to back this up. No, sure. Okay, so what you're saying is that the soul will still identify with the physical body that it was. What about good question good question this is a big question around the Holocaust as well so um, so this is a very very serious question um, and it gets it may it may get into more complex models we're dealing with again we're, we're still you know we're in 102 here right now There's, that's a 305 question in terms of <laughs> I mean, we, we, no we did 101 last last week this is 102 but uh, it, may, it may deal with with the idea of transmigration of, of multiple iterations of souls. So, and that becomes more complicated because if a soul comes back a number of times, then there may be a different body. Exactly. So just, just to be aware of that. But there are, this is a discussion, but it's still why, because we don't, we don't see through that veil, we have to be very, very careful about, like, you know, about cremation. And you, you think to ourselves today, you think to ourselves today that, oh, this is something which doesn't affect us. It, it affects us. It, it, you know, it, it's, 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 sorry, you deal with this. Um, you, it, it, it's, it's cheaper. And it's less of a bother, but it's a bother for people. People don't want to be a burden. And there are many, many Jews around our locale who are signed up for cremation. And it's, it's, it's something which, which, which is a very, it's a very um, sobering, it's a very sobering reality. And, and, and I would say a majority of American Jews are in that space. So something which is worthwhile thinking about. There are a lot of people trying to do a little education on this, but education doesn't happen after death. That's not the time for any of these conversations. That's, you can't change people's minds at that point. It, it's, it has to be a little bit earlier. So sorry, you can talk to that a lot, you know. 
it's Jerry Feldhammer, who was so instrumental, just passed away this week. He was oh, the wow. head of the Hebrew Free Burial. So yeah, it's, it's an incredible Kiddush Hashem. If anybody's had the opportunity of ever visiting Staten Island and seeing what's going on, it's unbelievable what, what happens over there. Rabbi Zone has an entire campaign on this and uh, on this. Again, folks, this is, this is the, the Ramban is mainstream. We're not talking about reading Kabbalistic literature. We're just talking about the Ramban who's working on trying to synthesize a number of Ma'amare Chazal in the Shara Gumul as adopted later on by the Ramchal, Rav Moshe Chavritzato, and Derech Hashem. And this is obviously the model which is found in, you know, when you start reading the works of Rav Vital later on as well. But just to, it, this is a basic, a basic understanding in Judaism. So you say to yourselves, which of the two models makes more sense, if you think about it? Like, which of the two models makes more sense, the Rambam's model or the Ramban's model? If you think about it, just like logically. One hand, it sounds like the Rambam, Maimonides' role, uh, uh, version, sounds very appealing. Why is that? Because, all, because there's, no, there's no attachment. Why do you need a body? Why would you need a body in an extended, infinite world? What's the necessity? Why, why do we go to such lengths to, to understand that the body needs cleansing and returning and then it's going to stay with us? And why all that complex? Michael, yeah. Just to clarify when you're in that state of Omar Bakr in the Ram's view, yeah. you're static. But is there, you know, God doesn't change, but do you change, do you receive benefit, and you can receive benefit? Sure. So you are changing in some sense. You, you do, you do, but it depends on what you did. I mean, you say, let's say you, you made a good investment, right? <laughs> so you raised a child, and you really did a good job, and you did the best you could within your scope, right? And that child keeps on doing great things, and they have grandchildren, and they keep on doing great things, and so on. So that project you invested in, you put, you put your life, blood, sweat, and tears into, continues to, uh, to, to, to work in the, in the world of work. So you continue to change. You get, and change means, say, proximity, right? Nearness, if you can understand what nearness means in a world which is beyond dimension. But yes, you can't ch start it, exactly. Projects can't be started. You can, you can, con you can reap the benefits of projects. No, the Ramban is all the same thing. No, the Ramban is also movement, but the, the only real difference. No, no, no. You can't do anything past death. You're not able to initiate new ideas, but you can certainly be the beneficiary of them. The only thing is that in the Rambam's view, that's the real McCoy after death. That's really where you're getting a reward. Whereas the Ramban is not really where you're getting a reward. It's a waiting room, which is akin to the type of waiting room that which would be the, the in the future. Yeah, no, it's the same. No, once you're in, so the Ramban, the Ramban's way of, of looking at Olam Abba, again, um, and the Ramam agrees with this, is that the Ramam says we're not going to see how it is until we're there. We're there. So we can, so we can philosophize from today until tomorrow. We're not going to know precisely how that is. So the Ramam says, and so is the Ramban, uh, based on Sukkim. So we really don't know. But um, 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 at the same time, um, the, the, there is. I was just lost my, my train of thought for a second. Um, Different between the Rambam and the Ramban. Yeah, no, no. So they both agree. Oh, yes. So, so the, 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 just in terms of actually what happens after death, the Ramban, it's not the full, it's not really the, the, the full structure. It's not really the, the end result. Um, like, it's, it's really a waiting room which is akin to what a person would have, would have, would have get in the future. But yes, one can't change one state. Ramban, oh, this is what I want to add. The Ramban, the Ramban says, the Ramban points out that, um, that when it comes to Olam the world to come, you're either in or you're out. There's no halfway in. It's not like I got my, my front toe in, so I should be all right. It's either in or out, which means to say that therefore there, therefore there has to be an accounting as to how you're in or how you're out. So let's say most people are not completely good and most people are not completely evil. That's just how we are. We're complex beings. We struggle. We make bad decisions. We make good decisions, right? So, um, so how does that work precisely? So Ramban says that's why there's three way stations. Which are we'll call it check stations as to progress, right? So one of those is we call Rosh Hashanah. That's we call it a mini check station, a checkup on an annual basis. And then there's Yom Hamisa, the day of death. And then there's the day before entering into Alam Abba, right? Now all of those inform each other, which means to say that let's say a person's trajectory is predominantly good, right? So they're 83% fantastic. That was 17%. More questionable, right? So it's not like it's like, you know, the hamburger effect where a little bit of lettuce and the hamburger cancel each other out and, right? I give a lot of stocker even though I was a terrible thief. Everything doesn't work like that. So um, the, the, the way it works is, is that any bad has to be dealt with and any good has to be dealt with, right? So which means to say that you could have a person arguably um, who led, let's say, let's say, 83% good life. Sounds fantastic. There's still 17% of problems. That 17% of the person will not be able to enter into Alam Abba, but the person needs to enter into Alam Abba or not. So therefore, 
retroactively, based on the fact that in the future, that's where they will end up being, it reverses into the day of judgments, the micro day of judgments, the annual one and the end of life one, which will therefore affect a person's treatment in Olamazeh. And therefore, if the person is majority good, the, the minority of negativity and evil needs to be dealt with. Dealt with means it can, can, can be through suffering or can be through a program of reform or a person does tshuva and suffers through the process of tshuva, which therefore burns away that. So there's multiple ways that that can happen, but that's, that, that's going to be decided on an annual basis. Now let's say on an annual basis, a person goes through a number of Rosh Hashanahs and figures it out and tries to do the tshuva and goes through the painful, regretful process and works themselves out. And by the time they come to the next way station, which is the, the day of death, they're 100% good. That's fantastic. So then they go straight into Olam HaNashomas. It's much easier. And now they're in a, they're in a very good waiting station to go into Olam Abab, Hashem. But if a person, let's say, of that 17% has worked through five of that 17% in this world, Right? And that's all they, man- they, they managed to get through. So now as the remaining 13% of negativity by the next way station, which is death, they're going to have to figure that, that that's going to happen after death, where there's the process of cleansing. Why? Because they need to enter into Alam which is the third way station. So you need, to, you need to have been taken care of. You need everything taken care of. The accounts need to be closed by the time you get to Alam And so therefore, in Alam which is post-death, the person will have to go through a process of cleansing, which is why we say that immediately afterwards is, is more of a traumatic process after death than afterwards as it slows down. That's when the, that also is reflected in the Shiva Shloshim and the Yud Beis is reflective of that process of cleansing, which there's more Menucha after that, after that process may have been finished. For the opposite side, it works the same as well. Let's say you have a person who is an incredibly corrupt, terrible human being, right? And, and lives, lives a corrupt life, hurting and, t- uh, and maiming other people wherever they go. But they also happen, happen to have a nice attribute. Can you think of an example? I'm sure we can think of many. But I, in Tanakh, his example is Izevel, right? Jezebel, right? So she was a non-Jewish queen, queen intermarried, Phoenician lady, marries Ahav, does terrible things, right? She, she kills people. She, uh, she introduces Avodah into society. You can't think of anybody worse, worse than that in, in her age, right? She persecutes the prophets of God. Pretty terrible person. But well, she, had, she had a redeeming attribute, and that was... The, 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 that when when the, when there was a, a wedding procession, she would clap and uh, clap and and uh, and uh, and and, uh, and and dance in front of the wedding procession from a balcony when when the weddings would go by. And so the the Mepharshim said that when she when she died and she had it's pretty gruesome death that she had, but she was eaten by the dogs. Ultimately, they did not eat her hands and feet. I Meaning said that the, even the good that a person does never disappears either, which means it's usually paid out in this world, right? That's why a lot of people who are pretty terrible people are, are doing pretty well in this world because that's all being paid out so that by the time the next way station hits, there's, no, there, there's not going not to be anything left to have been to close that account. I'm trying to be yeah. persistent, but the last stage after yep. the is if you go into the final stage of Olam is it different? Is it, isn't there body and a soul going to Ramban? Yes. And my question is... No, the body can't do anything. No, the body is receiving, not doing. Correct. That's that's the question. Got it. I understand. But that's that's no. The the body is simply now a recipient of that energy that the soul was able to generate, but which was not able to receive while doing while living in this world. Which is not there's, there's a sort of that that's the wedge which Kate Adamarishan created. Yeah. So if you're not making it into stage three, you're kind of like stuck in limbo. <laughs> no, no. Where you go? No, if a person's not making it to stage three, then that's the end. That's that. There, there's no eternity. That's a very quiet, try, try, try to avoid that. That's, uh, that's the, no, you're uh, in Olam which is the future, future, you're either in or you're out. And at that point in time, if you're out, there's no, there is no alternative. It's not like there's a, a parallel, a parallel option. Um, so which is why it's so important to be pointed in the right direction, even if that means to say that there's a, there's a, there's a, there's, there's a few things. Good question. So, so Jews, Jews and non-Jews have different programs, right? So we have the 613-step program, um, and, um, and it's a very complex program, which has a lot of requirements on us. And non-Jews, we believe, have a seven-step program, and, um, and their ladder to climb, and therefore the resistance they have against, against, that pro, against what they have is different, and therefore the reward will be different as well. So it, in and of itself, is a fascinating question. Like Rabbi Mara talks about how a, 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 a non-Jew who does everything they're supposed to be doing correctly um, will can get the same reward as the Koengolo Shashim Shlifana. And if name is a Gomorrah Baba Kama, that needs to be synthesized with another few members of Chazal. But it's fascinating in terms of what their, their program is. Judaism does not believe that the rest of the world needs to be converted to Judaism, unlike Christianity and Islam, which are kind of a little bit defensive. They can't figure out how others can exist. Judaism's all right with that, that, that program, yes. 
the Moforshim ever talked, is there any difference being buried in Eretz Israel as opposed to being... Yes, there is, yes. So there's a notion of Gilgal Atzamas, which means to say that, that bones will need to return to Israel, so it's a little easier being on that end. Um, so less, a little less uh, called Chibot HaKever, which is the, the process of the purification, which is more complex to the, to the soul. How far we should go for that is a halachic question. Um, there's a lot of shiram on this topic, but it's in and of itself is an interesting question. Is how far should we go to try to, 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 to assume that? At the same time as being, this is, uh, today Israel's running out of space in their, in their, in, in their cemeteries. You know? So uh, Israel's supposed to be a place where we live, not necessarily just a place where we just die. Right? So, so it's, 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 it's worth, it's, today uh, is, is something which is worthwhile thinking about. And the real question one really has to ask is trying to understand why this is necessary. In the worldview of the Ramban, which is predominantly the adopted view in Jewish history, in Jewish thought, that there, the re- resurrection of the dead will be a combination of the body and the soul. The question one has to ask is why? Wasn't the body just a vehicle? Why is it necessary to have the body as part of the end of days, as a part of the Olam Abba? And there are many ways to address this. The most basic and pragmatic way of, this, of addressing this is a fascinating um, metaphor that Gemara gives in the Gemara in Sanhedrin in Perak in which it describes the following situation. It describes a, 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 a unusual pair who get together. Um, the one person is blind, the other person is handicapped, and they decide they want to rob an orchard of the fruits. But the blind man can't find his way around, the handicapped man can't make his way there. So the handicapped man is, um, sits on the shoulders of the blind person, directs him into the orchard, and together they steal the fruit. When they are brought to judgment, in the local courts, they both claim innocence, saying that I couldn't see and I couldn't walk. So how could it be possible that either of us is um, is responsible? So what the court does is summarily it puts the handicapped person on the shoulders of the blind person and then punishes them together as a unit. What the Gemara is essentially saying is that the body and the soul are two incomplete holes that need to be put together in order to form the composite human being that needs to act and make decisions in this world. And the body, therefore, is not simply just the vehicle. It's also a part of the entity of the human being. And yes, there are negative elements of the body, and bodily awareness drives us in all kinds of um, um, negative directions, but it is also the entity which needs to be elevated and purified as well. And therefore it is not enough just to be able to say that the body will be checked in at the end, at the end of the car lease, so to speak, and now the soul moves on. The soul's job is to create enough energy to, to be able to make enough decisions to elevate the body so that as the composite being there will be recompensed in a more comprehensive way. With that every piece there's a conservation of matter and energy in this particular way. And that perhaps is what the Ramban is saying in his perspective. Let me just close this, the, this whole loop um, uh, and, and perhaps we'll, we'll hold it here today. Um, and that is, is that, so uh, the, based, based on this, what the, the Ramchal points out is, is that we are living in plan B of reality. In plan B of reality is, is the space in which actions do not warrant reactions very easily and transparently. And that doesn't mean to say that those actions aren't consequential, but it means to say that the consequence is not seen in the same way. And therefore, we're in a certain sense building up that energy for the time that we're able to see that energy express itself. It's almost as if we had a very simple system of one A, we'll call one versus two, it was, a, it was a fork in the road. We missed that. When we took the wrong fork in the road, we now have multiple forks in the road all of our lives in order to get just back to that initial fork in the road. That's essentially what we're trying to do. We don't even have the possibility of getting, uh, of, 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 so to speak, arriving at the end. We need to move our way backwards to get back to stage one, which is what's called pre-chet adoration. There was a few times in history where we, we got close to that. At Matan Torah was one where we got close to Pascu Zamasam, which we very quickly lost. Um, but um, that would that, be in terms of the, the, the process of this. I just will we'll close, and I, and I think that it's, to me, is, is incredibly important for us to appreciate, and that is that we take this for granted. We, we don't take this for granted, but it, in the rest of the world, it isn't taken for granted. And when you live a life where you don't have this idea, where you don't know, there's a notion that, there, that there's a longer scope than simply our lives, I would imagine life must be very meaningless. Either you feel very frantic or very anxious, because you feel like you need to do everything now because there is nothing afterwards. And if you live like that, either you do a lot of parting, a lot of destroying, or you try to be a very, very morally upright person, but you don't understand how things work because it, it, not everything adds up. And we're, we're blessed with uh, this ability. And I'll just perhaps point out one interesting place in history where this occurred. Where, there's a number of remozim to Tchiyas Mason, the idea that there will be uh, resurrection of the dead, whether like the Ramam it is for a, a temporal pair time or for the Ramban for an eternal time. Um, 
And, and that is, is one of the places, is Oz Yashir. There's multiple places in the Gorn Chayek in the beginning of Sanhedrin, many Makaras, but one of them is Oz Yashir Moshe Bnei Yisrael es Hashir Azoyz. So it says Oz, well, how do we know that, 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 that it's referring to Tchias Lameisim? Because the word Oz is then, and Yashir is in the, the future. He should have said, it should have been. Well, say, um, Oz is the, the there we go, so it's, uh, could be, exactly, the eight is above the, the Teva as well. So you, but you would say, wait a second, it should have just, it just said that Sharu B'nei Yisrael as Ashira Azois, right? That's what should have been the, the Moshe's describing what happened. Um, um, so that, that, that's why we know this. But the question is like, that's a strange place. Is that a strange place? Like all places, if you were to pick where to put the remes about Tchias HaMesim, Az Yashir is going to be your first choice, like at the sea. So actually, it's, it, it's just sort of a very beautiful observation, which uh, Rav Fran once quoted. Um, uh, I believe it was the Belzer Rebbe who was um, right after the Holocaust, 1946, in a DP camp. And it was a Shabbos. In the first Shabbos, we was able to find a few of the remnants of the broken Hasidim from all around. And, uh, and it came to Shabbos, and they sat around the table, and he says, it's time to sing Zmiros. And they, says, they said, we can't sing Zmiros. Everybody in our lives is gone. Our, 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 everything that existed, everything, our whole basis of reality is gone. We can't sing. And so he said, I'll tell you the truth. Why was it that Oz Yashir was said then? He says, because if you remember that the Midrash, which understands that Chamushim Alu B'nei Yisrael Meretz Mitzrayim, refers to the fact that not that they came up armed, but one-fifth of them came, out, came up. That means that there was not a single person in Klai Yisrael who did not have a relative who preferred to stay in Egypt and, didn't, and did not come out, and who perished. Which means that every person walking out had terrible scars upon their backs and their souls as they, as they walked out of Egypt. And you can imagine them also saying, how can we sing that we escaped when so many people didn't escape? And so the Torah says, Az Yashir, says Moshe Rabbeinu, I'll tell you, you're right, but you're not measuring it in the scope of one lifetime. There's going to be a time where we're going to see them again. And, that's, and that was his, his nechama. That was the Belzarebbe's nechama to, his, uh, to his, his students. You're right. There's no explicable explanation within the course of one lifetime. And that's what we need to do. And in fact, you should know, if you go to Sanhedria, you visit right, the Tzadik of Yerushalayim, Rav Arya Levine's kever. Actually, it's, uh, the, the, the one thing he asked, not to have how great he was, and he was the mashkiach, and he used to visit the prisons there and all the things that he used to do. The one thing he has on his, on his tombstone is the following line. I have it in the notes which weren't printed. <laughs> uh, it says, he says, he says I, I, I beg. So this is written in, carved in stone upon his, uh, upon his tombstone. It takes, off, takes up half the tombstone. It says, Anybody who comes to prostrate themselves to, to pray by my, by my grave should say with a full mouth, There's going to come a time when according to Hashem's will that the people will come back. Everybody will have the opportunity of coming back. And that was in his Savo that there's going to be a recompense. There's going to be a future. And that is part of what is, makes things so much easier to live, is knowing that we're not, we don't see the full scope of things, knowing that there, there is a much bigger world, and knowing that what we do actually counts, even though it doesn't obviously seem so in the world that we live in. So Be'ezra Hashem, we'll get even to your question next week, which is hopefully we're going to start talking about multiple lifetimes and uh, looking at it in a, in, a more, in a more complex model as well. Thank you so much, everybody, for taking the